0: I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the new pressures for teen girls. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Today's teen girls are facing an unprecedented array of possibilities and opportunities in all areas of life, but they're also facing new pressures and challenges that never affected previous generations of women. The powerful impact of outside influences from social media can be too much while the expectations of parents and educators, no matter how well intentioned, can lead to feelings of inadequacy and mental health stress factors. In this episode, we're going to celebrate our girls who are leading us forward while we take a look at where they really are and how we can support them. Joining us now is Sia Patel. She's the national leader of the national leader of the year of the girl talk organization. Sia, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Great to have you with us. Also with us is Dr. Daryl Johnson. She's a psychologist. Dr. Daryl, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She's the president and founder of Young Urban Moms, and she's also a mother of two, one of whom is a teenage girl. Mary, thank you so much for being with us. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Dr. Daryl, I want to start with you on this when. This CDC study came out talking about the very big stress factors and kind of negative impact that teen girls have had throughout the pandemic. And then with also the different changes in society, what are some of the most important points to you about that?
2: I'm not surprised, but it's definitely heartbreaking to know that over 60% of young girls have, um, you know, experienced suicidal ideation, increased anxiety and depression. This pandemic has definitely taken a toll on all of us, and specifically with young girls and the CDC study that just came out. It's definitely, you know, drawing a huge
0: light to the work that needs to be done. Mary, what have you seen as a mom, like the effects of the pandemic and and some of these other societal things? I mean,
3: I think it's hard for everyone to try to find a new normal after the pandemic, and particularly, you know, teens and teen girls who... Would be trying to navigate life under normal circumstances and now are trying to kind of ease back. I mean, for me personally, my daughter started college, graduated high school in the midst of the pandemic, and then started college, you know, kind of in the midst of it as well, but towards the tail end. I mean, are we even out of it? Who knows? But right, but, um, exactly. but yeah, I mean, and it's just been a really rough
0: adjustment. So I'm not surprised to hear this either. See in terms of your teen, as the what are the kinds of things that you have been hearing because you took part of the whole Girl talk organization is to pro- provide mentorship and also to provide safe forums where girls can really talk about what they're feeling. Give us a sense of and you're in a leadership position also, which congratulations again on that. But um, what kinds of things are what, what would you say are some of the top concerns that girls are feeling right now?
1: Um, I would definitely say, I think what was interesting about the pandemic is like scientific, I'm a very big science person, but scientifically, um, my sister, she's three years younger than me. And so when COVID started, she was in sixth grade and now she's a sophomore in high school. Um, What we saw with that is that girls that age didn't really have like a preteen phase, so to speak. It became more of just like growing up faster because all they saw was social media because they were isolated from other teenage girls that age. Um, so, I would definitely say a lot of the concern comes from the fact that they had to grow up too fast. Um, I was really lucky because um, the pandemic started when I was a sophomore in high school. So, I had already gone through like growing up through middle school and just like the awkward years of that. Um, and, girl talk, we talk a lot about that because most of our girls are from the ages of fourth grade to like eighth grade. Um, but I think the pressures of growing up very fast and having to act older than you actually are, um, I think that's a very difficult thing to go through especially when you're 14 years old and you're asked to act like you're 17. Um, and I would say that's definitely the biggest thing because a lot of people or a lot of girls our age struggle with the fact that they're not enough or when they're told that they're not enough by other people. Um, so I would definitely say that um, self-image was is a very big deal. And that's something that we've definitely seen through camp and through other things of the mentorship program that we have.
0: Mary, what about the intense pressure? Because you know what, during the pandemic, uh the as as Cia said the girls girls were in the house they were on really their only contact with the outside world was social media how how much of a distortion is that oh a huge one um and again that's another thing that was you know
3: an issue and a concern before the pandemic that really heightened you know in the midst and now after it um i feel like you know it's really hard to maintain a positive self image when you're looking at everybody's highlight reel which let's be real that's what social media is Um, and you know, also it really created like this haves versus the have not syndrome, right? Where it's like, even with us being in the house and like, depending on where you lived, right? Like there were people who were still outside in other parts of the country and were like flaunting that they're like on the beach or in the pool. And it's like, well, you live in New York and you kind of live in a building or so all of those things are, I feel like things that probably will be studied for years to come that you don't even really think would impact you, but it even makes you feel bad about your socioeconomic
0: situation. So yeah, it's, it's a lot. No, it's, it's intense. Dr. Daryl, what about that in terms of the, the sense of reality was the sense of reality change for these girls?
2: You mentioned it being distorted and Mary, you mentioned it being like everyone's highlight reel. And I think that social media will 100% do that to you, especially with the mindset of, you know, a young girl shoot, even us as adults, like it really does impact you and your sense of reality, your sense of who you are and your values and not being so um, distorted by what you see on social media.
0: Or exaggerated. All right, we're gonna take a short break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about socialization skills because when that, you are not out in the world during those preteen years, What happens and then how do you deal with the pressures that come when you're back and everything is in full swing? We'll find out what our guests have to say when we come back. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Stay with us.
1: Yo what up this your homie Ace Hood and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers Real issues, real poly tricks and real people only on Hot 97
0: Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers I'm your host Lisa Evers We're talking about the new pressures on teen girls A recent study has shown that they are under a lot more stress And under much more heavy pressure than we might have realized Joining us for this conversation is Sia Patel She's the National Leader of the Year of the Girl Talk organization And if you want more information about them it's Girl Talk talk.org. See, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We appreciate it. Also with us is psychologist, Dr. Daryl Johnson. Dr. Dale, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Also with us is Mary Elmonti. She's the president and founder of Young Urban Moms and the mother of two, one of whom is a teenage girl. Mary, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Dr. Darrell, when you're a psychologist, so you study development and human development, how critical are those preteen years to a girl's sense of her own self-worth and her identity? It's crucial. If you
2: think about it, we have different milestones that we need to um, meet or attempt to meet and when we think of that pre-teen year when we think of adolescence that is huge in our development that is huge in our way that we think about ourselves how we think that the world views us and with the distorted reality that we see on social media and the huge stress that the pandemic put on you know young people young girls in that age range in that preteen years we think may cause more distress than not with having to try to figure it out. A lot of times on your own, a lot of times feeling so isolated and so alone. And so when we
0: think of the consequences, they're huge. No, absolutely. See, in in terms of, you you talk about self-image, that that's one of the big, big things and, and one of the big topics that you and your organization and your mentoring groups and discussion groups are dealing with, give us a sense of what are some of what are some of the aspects of that, that girls are finding most concerning?
1: I think comparison, comparison, compare yourself to other um, girls, your age. I mean, that was definitely a thing when I was in middle school before the pandemic. Um, but I think that just got heightened because you see the ideal, you see the ideal, um, the pretty people that, that you see. Um, and I think a lot of girls, they see that and they're like, well, I'm not that. Or alternatively, if you're a girl of color, you're, you don't see yourself represented anywhere. So you definitely don't see yourself. Um, you don't see anybody that looks like you. You don't see anybody that acts like you or has the same like background as you. So seeing yourself or trying to relate to someone online and not being able to understand where they're coming from kind of like destroys your sense of self-confidence because you don't see yourself and you think that you're unworthy of that. And that's kind of one of the biggest things we grapple with is having to, um, under having to like talk about how we need to understand that like empowerment comes from within and everything that we are definitely worthy of love and self-confidence and everything good to coming to us. Um, but that's something that we do have to remind them a lot is because of the self image crisis that we're having
0: a self image crisis. Mary, what about that? Because you know, the phrase we, we've all heard the phrase, if you compare, you despair, especially when it comes to social media because it always looks like people they have more, their, their vacation is more elaborate. Their clothes are this, or their, you know, their body is that, or they look, somebody looks a, a certain way. How, how do you deal with that? And how did you deal with that with your daughter?
3: I love that saying, by the way, and I feel like that is instilled in us at a really early age, right? Like even in early childhood, it's like, keep your eyes on your own paper and you're running your own race. Um, however, yeah, that all sounded great until social media <laughs> and as a parent and also a parent of like, you know, our generation, right? Like we didn't grow up with social media. Sure, we've adapted to it, but it's really uncharted waters to parent and guide your child through when it's like. I can't relate to this, right? Like social media came about when I was at a more established and solid place in life. And so for me to even imagine what my daughter goes through when she, to Dr. Johnson's point, was like still having a developing mind and developing her own sense of self-awareness, but having these outside influences, it's really hard. So you know, again, I, I mean, I do, like you said, I basically, in my own words, and try to instill that, like, you know, keep in mind that what you're seeing is curated, right? Like nobody's posting their bad moments. Nobody's posting when they don't look fabulous. So you have to keep that in mind and just, you know, focus on what you're looking to accomplish and being the best version of yourself. But I say that to say it's a lot easier said than done. And we've definitely had moments of weakness when it comes to that.
2: So yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's something that it's hard to separate that external versus like the internal where a lot of it's supposed to come and it's hard not to get that wrapped into the external that we see that, that we, that we witness on, you know, an everyday basis, 24 seven. And I like, you know, Sia, that you mentioned it being like a crisis almost like this identity crisis and, or, you know, body image issue where we're constantly at odds with trying to fight against this external yet powerful entity called social media.
1: And then go ahead to you. Oh, sorry. And it's difficult because you end up becoming your worst enemy in that way, because you're the one looking at yourself in the mirror. You're the one that's attached to it. So when you, start to tell yourself you're not enough. I mean, I can be honest with you. Like for a lot of, I went to Southern private school where I was one of, I was the only Indian girl in my grade. So I can tell you from there, even before when the pandemic, like that was already difficult because I didn't see myself in other people. And I didn't, I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. So I can't imagine growing up in the, during the pandemic with social media and literally not seeing anybody outside of, your phone, but also not being able to see yourself in the way that you want to
0: No, so, See, give us some, an idea of how did you deal with that situation in the school where you were in the minority and you were just, uh, you know, they look like all the other girls.
1: Yeah. Honestly, solidarity is I a think big you
0: were more, much more gorgeous, but go ahead.
1: <laughs> um, solidarity is a big thing. Although I didn't see myself, um, Quite literally, actually, I'm in college right now, and this is the first time I've ever had, like, a group of Indian friends in my life, ever. Wow. Um, and I'm on a South Asian dance team. This is the only time I've ever been able to connect to my culture because that's just kind of the way that I grew up and where I grew up. I was at the same school for 12 years in the suburbs of Atlanta, so I wasn't really close to any of the culture, and most of my family does not live here. Um, but what really helped is understanding that just because other people don't look like you and don't have the same background as you um, doesn't mean that they can't relate. So two of my best friends, um, one is mixed and one is um, half Honduran and half Mexican. And although we didn't have the same cultural background, we we all three of us actually really got close with the fact that, wait, we don't look like everyone else at the school, but that's okay. Like we are just as beautiful. We are just as smart. We are just as empowering. And we are just as capable as everyone else in this room. And although we might have to work harder for everyone to notice, which happened a lot, um, but although we had to work a little bit harder, it doesn't mean we're any less capable of than them. It doesn't mean that we're any less worthy than them. Um, and I mean, I, I go to a pretty liberal um, university. Um, I'm in DC. So I um, have learned a lot from everyone here. And the biggest thing that at every vigil I go to, at every protest I go to, I help run a lot of the um, sexual assault protests on campus. So every single one of them, the main point is solidarity with the people that are being marginalized. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that got me through it. And I think that's why Girl Talk is so important is because we are, no matter where you're from um, or how you identify, like we're here for all of you. Um, And we're here to mentor every girl that comes through our door. And because that's solidarity. It means that you're that means that you support everyone at every step of the way.
0: So. Very, very cool. We're gonna take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the new pressures on teen girls when we come back. I'm gonna ask our panel, what about relationships? Stay with us.
2: Yo, what up, people? This is Common, and this is the Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on hot nine seven. The people, baby.
0: Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the new pressures on teen girls. They made it through the pandemic. They lost out on a lot of socialization that was happening during those preteen years and they're doing great things anyway. So we're talking about the girls, we're talking about what they're doing and what's really going on. We have an amazing panel for this. Joining us is Sia Patel. She is the National Leader of the Year of MyGirlTalk.org, the uh, organization that helps Girls with Mentoring and Being an Inspiration and Support to Others. Sia, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And, and congratulations on making it to college. Thank you. That's awesome. Also with us is Dr. Daryl Johnson. She's a psychologist. Dr. Daryl, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She's the president and founder of Young Urban Moms. And she's also a mother of two, one of whom is a teenage girl. Mary, thank you so much for being with us. It's an honor. Mary, in, in terms of relationships, that was a, another big factor, like a whole big important area of experience that kind of got put on ice. We, I mean, in-person relationships uh, dur- during the the pandemic. What, what did you notice about that with your daughter, with the other girls, her friends, that kind of thing?
3: Yeah. I mean, it was really tough for my daughter, particularly because she was one, and hopefully she doesn't watch this, <laughs> But one of the popular girls in school, um, and, you know, she had a boyfriend, she had a whole friend group, and they went from, like, ruling the school in the cafeteria every day, it was her senior, junior and senior year, to not seeing each other. And basically, like, their relationships were confined to FaceTime. Um, Thank God for FaceTime, right? Because that did, and Zoom and things like that, that allowed us to foster relationships. But as we all know, that's a big difference from being in real life. Um, so I I think that it made for a much harder transition to college when she went to go in dorm. It became like, how do I interact? And let's be real, also, I think people get on each other's nerves a lot, <laughs> a lot quicker and easier now because everyone kind of got used to being confined and in their own space. So she went from like having obviously her own room at home where she would interact with people on FaceTime as she saw fit. To then having a whole roommate in college that was in her face twenty four seven, so you know that I'm sure lots of other kids are going through that same transition, and I think it really does something to your psyche. Where now we have to be re-socialized.
1: Um, so yeah, it's that's been rough.
0: See so, how was it for you?
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> this is an interesting story. So um, actually when COVID hit, like two months before COVID, so January of 2020, I was in a rehabilitation program. And so when I got back, to, which is fitting for the topic of today, um, but when I got out, um, I actually, I had, I was, I'll be real. Um, I was on a path of very destructive behavior. Um, if you're a part of those programs, you know that getting out is the hardest part because you're so used to... Um, You're very used to um, just working on yourself for like eight hours a day and being with people that are in the same boat as you. But then when you're back in the real world, it's like a completely new culture shock. It's completely different. And because I was so destructive in my behavior before I went and after I went, I lost most of my friends by the time COVID hit. Um, So for me, um, what COVID did was really helped me heal in the way that like I needed at the time. Um, But having to come back, in person was difficult for me um very difficult because i had been so used to um when i was so used to everyone just leaving because of my problems and the way that i acted but then i also had a really rough time re myself back into my school um when going back um, i was on the cheer team for a while that actually helped me a lot um getting to know like being on a team of other girls um and just like trying to figure out what to do so I would definitely say it was difficult. Um, I ended up meeting my best friends that year, so it did end up working out. But to get there, being so far apart from everybody, especially because I went to private school, so we're not all in the same zoned area, um, it was very difficult um, to even go out and do things and stay connected to people. Um, What we learned from the pandemic though is that the right people will stay. The right people will make the efforts to do that. But as a teenage girl, when you have all these friends and then you all of a sudden lose all of them and then you're starting to figure out which ones will stay and it's not the same number as before, it's very difficult to deal with. Um, and I think a lot of that, a lot of that kind of resulted in a lot of like strained relationships for a lot of people, um, not just girls, but just everybody. Um, having to refigure out how to be a good friend after COVID is a completely different and what does that what does that
0: actually mean, uh, Doctor Darrell, What about the in, in terms of substance abuse, in terms of substance use? You know, we have like a vaping epidemic. That you know, we have kids like at eleven and twelve years old vaping before they go to school, vaping at school. Um, uh, what about the what about the impact of just the easy availability of substances for for teen girls?
2: That has definitely increased, and I worked with teens and. Young kids way before the pandemic. And I knew that that was a problem with some of the kids that I was seeing in my practice. And so, with the numbers coming out now and trickling in over the past few months, that's definitely been a huge issue because I mean, we turn to different things to cope, whether it's healthy or not. And obviously, I think a lot of people can agree that those are unhealthy coping mechanisms, tools to use. Those were just things that. Kids did to be able to cope, and whether it was drugs or substances, alcohol, it could have been anything from you know gambling, gaming, and you know shopping or um, unhealthy relationship with food. Whatever you name it, there's definitely there's definitely been an increase in a lot of those addictive kind of coping behaviors.
0: Mary, what about that?
3: So, not only do I feel that you know substance abuse probably definitely has increased uh, exponentially as a result of the pandemic. But I firsthand saw people don't realize like with school also came activities and sports that also shut down for extended periods of time. So there were some of my daughter's friends who were star athletes who abruptly their seasons came to an end and they were like betting on all that for college and everything else and basically felt worthless and resorted to gang behavior. I mean, it's a true, a real thing. And so, you know, there definitely have been um, super negative implications, you know, that were a direct impact of the pandemic, because beyond just education and school, um, you know, the things that kind of kept kids off the streets were also, you know, coming to a screeching halt with that, and really never fully resumed. Maybe probably now they are, but or from like 2020 to 2022, everything was like the world as we knew it changed and not everybody was
0: able to adapt well to that. So. Absolutely. Yeah. See, in terms of, in terms of that aspect of it, activities, that type of thing, what have you found with other girls who were going through what you went through has been most helpful?
1: Uh, most helpful, I would say keeping in touch with people. I think and. um, most cases, social media is kind of destructive, but one of the ways that we were able to keep in touch with each other and express our creativity is through social media. Um, so I think it was just a balance. But I think in other ways, my sister had a very hard time because she's an athlete. So she wanted to do all the things that she wanted to do. Um, and I think what was helpful for her is finding other hobbies that she could find. So at one point, my sister and I were painting a lot, like doing paint by numbers, yeah. um, which ended up going great um if you have pets a lot of i know a lot of people that would go on walks my best friend actually um would go on a lot of bike rides um because he was also an athlete and that was something that he wanted to do but i think everyone was looking for a way to like re-control their situation because i think the loss of control with covid was the biggest implication um in terms of like socialization um but yeah, a lot of my friends, um, I had a lot of friends who were dancers too, because I danced. Um, they, it would go, they would go to the studio, but they'd have to like go in classes like that were like five people or less Right, which was not as fun or dancing with a mask on. And I cheered with a mask on, which was not fun. It was difficult. Um, but having to like sacrifice a lot of the things that make you happy for the greater good was very difficult for some people. And I think the main thing that helped us get through it was the collectiveness of the fact that we were all going through it together, and we were all do like we were all trying to refigure out our lives that way.
0: Doctor Darrell, do you see with the, with the girls with with girls today? Do you see more? You know, there's stereotypes about women and girls that like you you can't be really good friends with them for a long, long period of time. That at, at a certain point, there's going to be an element of competitiveness that comes in that can be destructive. What do you, what do you, what advice do you have for girls in that situation? I
2: hate hearing that. I really do. And every time I hear someone say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of female friends. Like that's just not me. I always ask, okay, so what has happened that allows you to feel so like comfortable with that or what is safe about that? And my advice would be to figure out what that why is because that's not particularly healthy, unless there has been something that you can really identify and work on in therapy, Um, then you'll get to the point where you actually do feel comfortable having these kinds of relationships with other women um, and other girls. But my advice would be to be able to get to the bottom of it to know why, because that's not particularly healthy.
0: All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll find out what our guests have to say on this whole issue of interpersonal relationships and some takeaway tips for everybody. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 97.
0: You did. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. We're talking about the new pressures on teen girls. Joining me for this conversation, Sia Patel. She is National Leader of the year of mygirltalk.org. It's a mentoring organization for girls and teens. Sia, thank you so much for being with us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Appreciate it. Also with us is Dr. Daryl Johnson, a psychologist. Dr. Daryl, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. You appreciate it. Also with us is Mary Almonte. She's the president and founder of Young Urban Moms, a mother of two, uh, one of whom's a, a Teen girl, and she's also has her own full time right. career as well going on. A lot going on with you, Mary. Thank you so much for being with us. A lot going on, but I'll always be here with you. <laughs> we, we appreciate it. We appreciate it, um, Doctor Daryl. In, in terms of the interpersonal relationships, because for girls, you know, girls especially. Those preteen years that we've been kind of focusing on um, a lot in the conversation, those are critical times where you learn how to carry yourself. You learn how boys react to certain things. You learn about all of those aspects. What do you see happening now? Are, did the girls miss out on a lot of lessons there? And now they're in kind of a, you know, learn learn as you go type of situation?
2: I do. I think that there was kind of this learning lesson kind of st- skipped or even what we were talking about earlier, kind of um, not really in touch with reality with regards to nurturing some of those um, relationships long distance in a way or um, learning via social media. And so there were some things that were probably skipped and, and maybe Mary could talk a little bit more and even Sia could talk a little bit more about their personal experiences with it. But professionally, what I've seen is that Even with young adults, even with like dating and picking up on certain, um, you know, certain, uh, whatever you would call it, certain,
0: um, behaviors and things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like, like science, I would call them cues, but like like, social cues. Yeah social cues, things that they will give you. See, I explain this because in, ter- in terms of relationships, because I'm not going to shout, I'm not going to put on blast any family members or, or or kids or friends, but it's like 12 years old. It'll be like, they'll see on social media, these declarations of love, these big diamond engagement rings. They'll see like these, you know, flower strewn places to celebrate birthdays, like all these elaborate things. And then they'll be like, I heard one 12 year old go, oh no, I just broke up with her. And we're like, we, how did you, Like how did you? We didn't even know you were involved with her. Well, I have been for two weeks, but we just broke up. So this whole concept of like, what is a relationship? You know, and then the, of course, we see the most romantic. We see some really bad things too. But on social media, we see these like super elaborate, overly romantic. I mean, I don't think you can be overly romantic, but like excessively romantic uh, types of declarations of love. What what has what impact has you know, has the past couple of years had on relationships and how, how you view relationships?
1: <laughs> Sorry. What's funny about this is that when I show my friends this, they're going to be like, oh my God, Sia, this is the perfect question for you. And <laughs> because, oh, you they know. Know. because they just know this has been a part of my life for the past three or four years. Um, but I think there's, a what I had to learn recently is that there's a difference between the love you have for someone versus the love you deserve. And that's a very, very important phrase in my life right now, (laughs) Um, but it's powerful because we, because of social media and because of the way that we saw relationships and ideal relationships. And again, we never saw the bad parts of other relationships on TikTok or Instagram or only ever saw the good things. So that's the only idea we ever had. And so we never really understood that there are bad things in relationships. And it wasn't until I came to college where I had friends who were in long-term relationships were explaining to me, well, you know, like real relationships, you have to work things out. It's not going to be perfect all the time. It's not. But we have this like idea, we have this like idea that it will be. And so when like the second something like something bad happens, we're like, we jump to the extreme. We're like, oh, we have to break up when that's not the, that's not the exact thing, but it's also the question of not knowing what, and it goes back to self-image not knowing what you deserve versus what you actually feel. And I think we tend to lower the expectations for ourselves because we just assume that every person that we're going to be with is going to meet the standard that we have when that's not true. Um, and again, going back to the love you have for someone versus the love you deserve, um, it's difficult because you have to understand that like relationships are just as much as you You're a part of them and you need to understand like, where do you fit? But it's also a matter of how it makes you feel. Um, And just because you love someone does not mean that that's exactly the person you deserve. Like you deserve just as much as you are worthy. And I think that's a difficult thing for girls, my age and girls younger than me to understand is that we don't have to settle. We are more than that. We can, we are so we can be empowered by ourselves. We don't need someone to, to tell us how empowered we need to be. We don't need someone to give us the validation that we are more than enough. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I would say. And my friends are going to see this interview and they are like, Oh, so yeah, this is the, oh, that's
0: a pretty amazing, re- that's a pretty <laughs> amazing realization to have at your, at your stage, you know, right. it, in, in exactly. your life. I mean, I think that's a pretty amazing, some, you know, some people have to go through, some women have to go through a lot of rough relationships to, you know, a lot of heartbreak and a lot, just a lot of, you know, A lot, just a lot. Period, to get to 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 get to that point. Doctor Daryl, what about that? What she's saying, because you're you're also a relationship specialist.
2: Yes, I love that you said that, Sia, because that is so important. You know, we give someone, we kind of give that part of ourselves over when we don't have to. We can have that for ourselves and nurture it ourselves. And of course, it's amazing if we have a partner that can nourish it with us. But I love that you have that, um, that distinction between like the love that, do, that you deserve and the love that you're getting or kind of settling for. And I want to kind of dispel that myth that you have to um, you know, heal from the previous relationship to be in another one, or you have to come in whole. I think that we can allow ourselves to grow with our partner. And as long as we have a healthy, you know, nurturing, supportive relationship, then we, we can both grow together. But the problem is when we don't have that distinction and that line between like, this is where I end and this is where you begin, and you're giving, you know, so much of yourself or, or so much of that internal power over to another person. That's where we get into rough
0: waters. No, absolutely. And it reminds me of something I saw on social media. One of these phrases, whether they're your friend or your enemy, they're always your lesson. Yes. <laughs> which, which I kind of like, Mary, what about in terms of the the safety issue? Because we hear about sexual assaults. There, there was also the boys went through, uh, you know, kind of missed out on a lot of s- social skills, especially with dating and going out in groups and that kind of thing. How, how do you handle that with your daughter in terms of, of telling her what's, What's appropriate? What's not appropriate?
3: Well, so first and foremost, I want to say to Sia that she, there are women my age that could benefit from hearing your words. So thank you for that. Um,
0: All right. This this is why she's she's national leader of the
3: year. Yes, I see. I see. But, um, you know, switching gears. Yes. um, I feel like to what you just alluded to, everyone across the board um, kind of missed out on a lot of development during this time period. And so, you know, for starters, um, and I think that Dr. Darrell had said it previously, like everyone's patience is very low. So people are like very quick to just kind of end relationships that maybe, you know, some communication would resolve. But, you know, obviously now that everyone got used to kind of being in isolation and you know, not tolerating any, any, anything from another person in real life. It's just all very like quick and short lived. Um, but also I think that, you know, just like women and young women particularly have missed out on developmentally, uh, you know, cultivating relationships. So did the young men and boys. And so, you know, we're definitely, I mean, I don't have stats, but I can imagine that we're seeing a rise in like sexual assaults with young boys because in a way I, I could totally see that being the objective and not the relationship. Right. Because, you know, who really has time to, or the patience to, or the bandwidth emotionally to really stick around for a relationship. It's kind of like the quick fix that everyone's after these days. Right. So, I mean, nothing has changed in terms of how I, you know, tell my daughter to carry herself and navigate like in dealing with young men. But I do feel like I'm what, from what I hear and observe, the young men are a lot more pushy <laughs> than I think they probably were pre-pandemic. A lot so, and also it's more one track. Like I, nobody wants a girlfriend. It's more, you know, I'm just like in this for the. For
0: the well, I don't know. In terms of relation, in terms of them, like the male, female or male, you know, any, any partner, intimate partner type of, of relationship, are there certain things that you think are just kind of like solid guidelines? that we should all be following?
2: Respect. I mean, I have a three-year-old son and even now, like I am teaching him boundaries and respecting his boundaries. Um, You know, just basic respect. We are using all the real names for all the body parts. And, you know, just starting just so young and with communication. And I think that just the, Basics, you know, Occam's razor, it's a philosophy, you know, concept. Just keep it simple. The simplest answer is the best one. Keeping it simple with open and honest communication and understanding what your needs are and knowing what your part is and being able to honor someone else's and just being able to hear that.
0: No, absolutely. And I would add, always follow your instincts because if you feel like something's off, a situation's off. If even if it's not off right then it's gonna to, about to be off and you need to be out. That's my view. But right, we need to sure. be out because we're just about out of time. See a final final word to the teen girls that are watching.
1: um I would say you are worthy. You are just as capable as any other person in the room, and you belong to be there. And you you have the potential to be someone great, and you already are there. So. Um, that's pretty much what I would have to say, that you are capable and you are worthy and you are loved.
0: All right, and you are already you are already great. You are great. Thank you so much for being with us. See, we, we appreciate it. Dr. Darrell, thank you so much. You're great too. Thank you so much for being with us in this conversation, sharing your expert opinion. And Mary, thank you so much for making time uh, for us in between all of your meetings and events and everything else that you got going on there uh, for being with us to speak about this very important role of motherhood that uh, we need to pay a lot more attention to, I think. So, and you're great in so many ways too. So thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. And you're great, everyone's great for listening to Street Soldiers and watching us. Thank you for joining us for this episode on the pressures, new pressures on teen girls. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind, it's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love and justice for all.